If you have your Bibles, I'm in Luke chapter 2 this morning. Last week was Isaiah chapter 40, the coming of comfort. Today, Luke chapter 2, the coming of consolation. Very similar, a bit different, but the coming of consolation. And today we look at a man uh, about whom we don't know a lot, but really and truly we know a great deal. There's a lot said about Simeon in just a few, few verses. So the coming of consolation, Luke chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn there with me. If you don't, it'll be up here on the screens. And I'm reading today, as usual, from the English Standard Version. The Bible says in Luke 2, beginning at verse 25, Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and he said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared In the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. Now, I'm going to read a little bit more, but I want to pause right there. Can you imagine these faithful Jewish parents bringing their little baby into the temple? And as they go in, here's this man, we assume to be aged, who grabs their baby and starts speaking all of these words about him. In fact, the Bible says in verse 33, his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them, that is Mary and Joseph, behold, Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, behold, this child is appointed for the fall and the rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. It's a fascinating passage of Scripture. It tells us maybe more than we realize about Simeon, and it gives us a message that seems appropriate for this season. I want to talk to you, first of all, about Simeon. There are some things that are said about him, so let's fill in those blanks just a little bit. Number one, Simeon was righteous. That speaks about something in his past. The Bible says Simeon was a righteous man. So if it were up to me to describe Simeon in modern day terms, I don't think it would be a stretch for me to use terminology like we do today to say Simeon was a a saved man. The Bible says he was a righteous man. Now, if you were here last week, hopefully... You learned a little bit more about that word righteous, that you and I are supposed to be in right standing with God. And the only way you and I can be right with God is to be made right through God, through what he's done with his son Jesus and sending him in the flesh. So 
The Bible says Simeon was a righteous man. That means he was right with God. He'd been made right with God by coming through God. So if he was right with God, he was waiting on something special for God to do. Now, lest I leave any of you confused today, you may be jumping ahead just a little bit and saying, well, if we're made righteous through God, that is through Jesus' son and his death on the cross, Simeon's holding the baby Jesus. So how is it that he's made right? He's made right with God the same way all the Old Testament saints were. They still place their faith in God. And so the Bible says that Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. So someplace in the past, this Jewish man understood who God was. And it may be an oversimplification, but he was right with God because he had believed God, because he had placed his hope and his faith and his trust in God. So the Bible says he was a, a righteous man. At some point in his past, he had done what was required for God to look at him and say, here's a righteous man. That's the past, but the Bible also addresses the present. And the Bible says he was devout. The Bible just says, quickly passing, he was a righteous and a devout man. Now, the word for devout is what you and I typically think. It means to be devoted toward, to be reverent toward God. But it is such a beautiful compound word in the Greek. It is a compound word of the word well. That is something that is done well. And that is put together with the word to take hold of. So when the Bible describes Simeon as a man who is devout, it actually says he is someone who had taken hold of something well. The, the word was used of a careful person, a, a person who behaves prudently. But what the Bible here tells us is that Simeon was right with God and he had also taken hold of God. Now, that is a really good word for all of us here this Sunday morning. By that, it means that Simeon had taken hold of God. Some people might translate it. He was a, a God-fearing man. Let me tell you what the word devout means. It is the outward life of an inward change. When the Bible says Simeon was a devout man, it meant he was a man who had a faith that people could see. It wasn't just that Simeon was a follower of God. He lived and he acted like he was a follower of God. He had taken hold of God, which is good. Because you and I can be tempted to take hold of things that are not good. It's possible. There's temptations for every single one of us every single day to try to grab onto something that really will not last. We could take hold of something that's popular. We could take hold of something that's fun. And we're in a season of grabbing certain things. I thought I was going to lose my faith last night because I had to stop somewhere. And I, I don't care if you get the closer parking space. You don't have to tell me I'm number one. Take it. 
You know, everybody wants the right parking, but everybody's looking for the right gift. Everybody wants to know what's perfect to take. Everybody wants to have what's right. Let me tell you what to grab in life. Grab hold of God. Because before we finish today, you're going to find out it really does matter if you've taken hold of what matters. Now, see, you, you could say that uh, Simeon was a worshiper of God, a worker for God. He was a walker with God. Well, let me tell you what else. He was waiting for God. See, it, it speaks to his past. He had been made right. It, it speaks currently. He was devout, but it speaks to the future. He was waiting. The Bible says that Simeon was waiting for the future consolation of Israel. Now, let me just put that in language you and I understand. He was waiting for the Messiah. This was not just a wishing. It was a hopeful expectation. It was an expectation so sure he was already convinced of it. Have you ever had a meeting in a particular location? I met somebody this week in Huntsville. I'd never met this person. But I went, and I got there first, and I was waiting. I knew he was coming. He'd sent me a text to confirm he was on his way. And I was waiting, and I was looking. And I was expecting that we would eat lunch, and we would have our conversation. That, that's the kind of thing. He was assured that this one who God had promised was coming. So he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. The looking here is another compound word. It, it, it means a deliberate reception. So in his heart, he already had a deliberate reception for the one who was to come. And we're told it was the coming consolation of Israel. The word consolation refers to the calling to one's side, calling to one's aid, calling to the one who could provide solace and comfort and consolation and exhortation and encouragement. Simeon was waiting and praying and anticipating the coming Messiah. That says a few things about Simeon. But then to know a little bit more about him, there's some references to the Holy Spirit in this passage. In fact, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit was upon him. Now, just like what was said about him earlier, this refers to something in the past. Now, let me just make sure you all understand. The presence of the Holy Spirit was not unheard of prior to Pentecost. We live in the New Testament era. Most of us are pretty comfy in the New Testament. And so we know the story of how they were praying and the Holy Spirit fell and they receive the Holy Spirit. We get that. But I want you to understand the Spirit of the Lord has always been on those who were right with God. And because Simeon was a righteous man, then the Holy Spirit was on him. Because let me tell you, when you and I walk with the Lord and we're right with him, we have the Holy Spirit. When we get saved, when we're made right with God, we have the Holy Spirit. So it's not unheard of for these Old Testament saints to have the Holy Spirit. You could do a survey of the Old Testament. I won't do that this morning, but I'll throw out some names for you. Bezalel in Exodus. Most of you have never heard of Bezalel. I bet you haven't named your child or your dog Bezalel. But Bezalel was full of the Holy Spirit. The 70 elders in Numbers. We're full of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in Judges that Jephthah, Othniel, and Samson were all full of the Holy Spirit. 
When you get to 1 Samuel and you begin to read about David, what do you read? You read the Holy Spirit fell on him. Let me give you a passage from Ezekiel chapter 36. Ezekiel 36, an Old Testament prophecy that tells us what the Lord does when we are right with him. Ezekiel 36, beginning at verse 25, he says, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness. Isn't that a great way to describe what God does? He cleans our uncleanness. He cleans up what we mess up. He's going to scrub away our sins. And from all your idols, he says, I will cleanse you. That's a good word from the Old Testament, folks. That when we've had some idol that meant more to us than God, he says, I'll clean all that up. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Listen, that's what happens when you and I are made right with God. And when he cleans us up, he puts his spirit in us. That is how Christians can fellowship so quickly. The spirit in you fellowships with the spirit in me. What spirit is it? It's the Holy Spirit of God. And so we're told that Simeon had the Holy Spirit. The Spirit will empower us and guide us and fill us with hope. And so at some point in the past, he had been made right with God, and the Holy Spirit came upon him. All right? That's the past. But in the present, the Bible says he came in the Spirit to the temple. That's the pre- He was led by the Spirit. That tells us that one day, Simeon woke up, and the Spirit said, you need to be in the temple today. That's what the Spirit does for us. He leads us. He directs us. And this is what he had been waiting for so long. This season of expectation was building and building and building. And the Spirit said, go to the temple. And Simeon went to the temple. We don't have a record, in a, a record not a record either, but a record in Luke chapter 2 of Simeon arguing with the Spirit. Now, I don't know about you, but I think sometimes I argue with the Spirit. Now, y'all can sit there and act holy all you want, but I bet y'all have too. But he didn't argue with his spirit. He got up, he got ready, and he went to the temple. He was led by the Spirit of God to come to the temple where he's going to see God fulfill the promises. Listen, it's the same Spirit that brought us together today. Because some of you probably didn't want to be here today. Some of you probably aren't very excited about it even now. But I'm telling you what, the Spirit of God's got you here for a reason. Unless you say, no, I just do this on my own. You think too little of God. Who gets you out of your ordinary on Sunday morning and you determine that you're going to come here because the Spirit wants you to be here. It is the Spirit of God that brings us to this place. And some of you may already be glad you're here. Now, some of you may have enjoyed a song we sang. Some of you, one or two of you, may get something out of the sermon. You may get something out of Sunday school. You may get something out of somebody just giving you a happy word this morning. I'm telling you, the Spirit of God has brought us here. So, in your life and in my life, we can see Simeon, past, present, and current. uh, Past, present, and future. So, here's the future. The Bible says that Simeon had been told. He was full of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit told him to go. But what had the Spirit already told him? That he would see. See, the Spirit was speaking to the future. 
Simeon was full of the Spirit. The Spirit led him to the temple, but the Spirit had already told him that you will see. That's the fulfillment of what had been promised by God. What had the Spirit told him? You will not die until you see the promised one. Simeon, I I don't know how that happened. I don't know the means by which the Spirit conveyed this to Simeon. But he had heard, you will not die until you see the Lord's Christ. Listen, that is the essence of faith. He didn't know how, when, or where. But Simeon absolutely knew He would not die until he had seen the Lord's Christ. Why? It had been revealed to him. That was the, and that is faith that he would go through life, even go to the temple that day, knowing today's not the day I'm going to die. How do you know? Because I hadn't seen the Christ yet. But let me tell you what is the essence of faith it is seeing the Lord's Christ. Please don't miss that. The Bible says in Hebrews 11.1, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And Simeon was living by faith that he would see the Lord's Christ. Let me just tell you, if in your life of what you call faith, you always have to see it or understand it, that's not faith. Faith is believing in something you have hoped for but have not yet seen. And so we see from this, Simeon was a good man. The Holy Spirit was working in his life. But then he said some things about the son. When the parents, the Bible says, Mary and Joseph brought this child in, we are told Simeon took the child in his hands. And he began to say things about their child. He said, first of all, that salvation has been prepared. Luke 2, 30 and 31, we already read it, but the Bible says there, For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. If living by faith is the essence of faith, I want to tell you, seeing Jesus is salvation. He saw this child. He he had come into plain view. And I, I just want to tell you, salvation is a person. It's not a process. It's not a procedure. It's a person. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Listen, (coughs) if you're ever going to be saved, you have to see Jesus. You have to see Jesus for who he is. You have to see Jesus for what he's done. You have to see Jesus as Lord of your life if you're ever going to be saved. And so Simeon said about the Lord that salvation has been prepared. But not only that, he said it's a sign for the people. Luke 2.32, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. A light for revelation to the Gentiles. I'm telling you what, that verse has significance for you and for me. Because don't ever forget, we're the Gentiles. We're the ones who needed the light. And when Simeon said this, he was absolutely saying, Jesus is a gift to the world. Jesus is a gift for all the peoples. Jesus is a gift not just for the Jews and their glory. He is a gift for 
you and for me, and for people everywhere. It's a universal offering that Jesus is made to this world. So why this time of year do we talk so much about missions? Well, it's because of the offering that Jesus is for all the peoples. If you've been in a Southern Baptist church for very long, you've heard about the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. And every year we encourage you to prayerfully consider giving to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Some of you still don't know who she is, wonder when we're going to get her paid off. Lottie Moon was a little bitty lady. I mean a little bitty lady. If you go to the IMB headquarters, they have a life-size photo of Lottie Moon. She come to about right here. Tiny little lady, born in Virginia in 1840. I'll just kind of hit the high point. She was a strong, independent, brilliant lady. She was one of the first ladies in the South to earn a master's degree. She knew God had called her. She's one of the first single ladies that Southern Baptist ever sent out as a missionary. And she went to China in 1873 and spent 40 years in China. Doing what? Learning the language. Learning the culture. Making tea cakes so that the people that came near her house could smell something delicious baking. And come in and say, what is that? And she'd say, I got something better to give you. Most of her career, she was known for going out into the villages and telling them about Jesus. And when she'd come home at night, they say she would start the letter writing. And letter after letter after letter after letter back home to her Baptist brethren and sistren. Send money. Why? So more people can go tell the story of Jesus. For 40 years, she worked in China, sacrificing her very life. What do I mean? I mean in a time of great hunger. Lottie Moon could not imagine her neighbors going without. So she gave of her own means so that others would not go hungry. Her colleagues realized she was badly malnourished seriously ill, and they insisted, in fact, they forced her to get on a ship to go back home, which stopped briefly in Kobe, Japan, and she died in her stateroom from malnourishment in 1912. And her legacy is billions of dollars raised to send more people to tell the story. What story? That Jesus is a light to the world. That Jesus is God's gift to this world. Simeon also said something interesting in Luke 2.34. Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. What does he mean? He simply told them what would be true. And what is true is that some will fall and some will rise over Jesus. Though the story once told is available to everyone, it's not so much that God condemns and judges, but that we do that ourselves. There are some people even today that can't handle the message of Christmas. 
They can't imagine that God would love them so much to send his son into this world. They can't imagine that God would extend mercy and grace to them. And they say, you don't know and they don't know that God does know and he loves them and sent his son Jesus. And Simeon was just telling them what would happen. That many would rise, but some would fall. And that's what happened. Some rise with the message of Jesus and others condemn themselves. But then he said, your servant is parting. Lord, now, he said, what a prayer. You're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. If you know your Bible, in Luke, there's five songs. This is the fifth and final song. We had the song of Elizabeth, the song of Mary. We had the song of Zechariah and the song of the angels. And now, here is the song of Simeon. Let your servant depart in peace. I hope none of you need my advice too quickly. But I want to tell you that when your time comes, it's good to know you're ready to go. It's good to know you're ready to die. There are some things you need to make sure of. You need to make sure that God is a God of his promise. That God is worthy to be praised. That God has a plan. That he is our source of peace. But all of that leads to this whole thing of being prepared. Simeon was waiting for the consolation of Israel. That word means, as I've already told you, comfort encouragement, solace. It's, it's very similar to the word you and I have in our English Bibles for Holy Spirit, the one who comes alongside of us. The word consolation means to come alongside and to encourage and to help and to love and support. And Simeon lived in a day when his whole nation was waiting for consolation. Why? Well, they were occupied by a foreign people. Rome was a pagan people who had occupied Israel and they controlled everything and the Israelites did not like that. They wanted to be free of that. They wanted their national sovereignty back, but they also wanted the new covenant that God had already promised. I told you last week, Isaiah is considered perhaps the greatest prophet. Maybe the second greatest is Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. And in Jeremiah chapter 31, this is what God had said through his spokesman, Jeremiah. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord. When I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. That's the consolation that Simeon was waiting for. 
He was waiting for the day when his sins would be forgiven and remembered no more. And Simeon was ready to go because he was right with God. That begs the question, are you? You say, that's a weird Christmas message. Yeah, but it's in the Bible. So you're not really ready for living until you're ready for dying. Simeon was righteous and devout, and he was waiting. And the Spirit of God was upon him, and the Spirit of God was leading him, and the Spirit of God had told him what would happen. And about Jesus, he said, his salvation is prepared as a sign for the people, and now your servant can depart. D.L. Moody's a name some of you have heard. Great evangelist of the 19th century. When he died... It is recorded that his final words were, I see earth receding, heaven is opening, and God is calling me. David Brainerd is a name you may not know. He worked in this country among the Indians. His prayer life is still an encouragement to those who will get his works and read his works. And it is said that just before he died, he whispered these words, he will come. And will not tarry, I shall soon be in glory, soon be with God and his angels. John Wesley's a name that is most readily identified with Methodism, but I want to tell you, there is no telling the impact John Wesley had on this world for God. It is said that in his last moments, just before he died, he summoned his strength and cried out, The best of all is God is with us. And his very last word, farewell. Adoniram Judson, the great missionary who went to Burma, saw hundreds, if not thousands, converted to Christ. He was broken. He was beaten. He was sick. And on a final voyage, he died on board ship, but before he breathed his last, he said to those around him, get this, I go with the gladness of a boy bounding away from school. Isn't that a great picture? Y'all remember when y'all were glad school was out and you went running out, (laughs) free at last, free at last. (laughs) He said his dying breath, he said, I feel so strong in Christ. Andrew Jackson, our president, said, and I quote, His last breath, those nearest heard him say, My sufferings, though great, are nothing in comparison with those of my Savior, through whose death I look for everlasting life. William Henry, the great English physician, he wrote books on chemistry. He was a devout Christian who encouraged not only his patients' bodies, but their very souls. And when he died, he peacefully said, a sweet falling of the soul on Jesus. See, I want to tell you, even at Christmas, you might need to remember, you're not ready to die until you know that you've been made right with God. May it be so. Pray with me. Today, Lord, we're thankful for your servant, Simeon. We're thankful for what great things we know about him. A man who had been made right with you. A man who was devout. 
because he'd grabbed hold of what mattered, and that is you. The man who was looking to you for all that he needed. So, Lord, today, would you encourage our hearts and speak to our hearts and confirm in our very spirits that we are right with you. The harsh reality, Lord, is that there are some that are not. And they're grabbing for a lot of things. But they're grabbing for the wrong thing. I pray for the courage of someone today to see Jesus and to confess him as Lord so that they may be saved. Father, I pray for the work of your Spirit, who when falls on us, begins to lead us and gives us a vision of the future, and Lord, the future is so significant. I pray we're all ready, and I pray that in Jesus' name, amen.